Good morning. morning. It's working. I feel like I'm Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm not holding the microphone. (laughs) It's okay. This is nice. It's awesome. Um, Well, I... That's that's actually a true story about throwing away things. Um, About halfway through writing this message, God stopped me and says, are you done writing what you want to say? And you're ready? Are you ready to start writing what I want you to say? I went, fine. So I deleted it all. Started over. Um, Made for some sleepless nights, but... (laughs) But, um... So I want to pray real quick and just give this moment to God. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak your word. Lord, I just want to give this to you. Lord, may, may it not be me, but through me, that everyone hears your word and your message. And Lord, may it touch their hearts the way you mean it to touch each and every single person's heart. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. Well, as children, we learn to live in two worlds very early. Here we have our world and our life at home, where we're with our family. We're expected to behave a certain way, have certain table manners. We follow a particular schedule. And then over here, We ended up with a school world where we have different routines. We have different topics of conversations and different ways of speaking about them, a different set of rules, really. And we're with our friends and our peers. But quickly, we learn how awkward it can be when those two worlds combine. A collision of sorts. Some of us may have children, and they may have expressed to you their embarrassment when you showed up to their school. Some of you may remember that feeling yourselves very well. But I don't think that awkward feeling that they're feeling is so much because of their parents. It's not that dad showed up in his work clothes or that raggedy old coat that he refuses to get rid of because, dang it, it's the most comfortable coat he's ever owned. It's, It's not like mom is really showing up in her bathrobe, curlers in her hair, that green face mask thing on. Now, I've been married for 17 years. I know what is an acceptable appearance for my wife to leave the house in, and that is not it. She is not showing up to school that way. It's not going to happen. The problem, I believe, exists in the fact that we don't know how to navigate between those two worlds when they're combined. It's It's as if two countries suddenly had to combine two totally separate cultures. Now, you speak both languages, but now you no longer know which one you're supposed to be speaking at any time. You know the acceptable behaviors of both cultures, but you don't know if you're behaving correctly at any given moment. You don't know what to do. And that feeling even extends past the school walls for your kids. Have you ever, have you ever seen a middle schooler who sees their teacher in the grocery store? Right? There, there's an act of dodging right there. They're everywhere. You would think their life has almost come to an end, and they want out of there now. Their worlds are not supposed to combine that way. They weren't supposed to meet in this situation. And it doesn't really get any easier as we get older. Heck, we, all we manage to do is build more worlds. 
lot of us, we still have our home life. We have our work life with our bosses, our coworkers. We have our church life and all the friends and family that are involved in that. And we all have a, a circle of friends outside of our church life. And we get very good at bouncing in and out of those lives, making sure very carefully that none of them ever really combined. You know, we're taught, don't bring your work home. Work stays at work. Home stays at home. You know, we're really good at keeping church within these four walls, right? We're not supposed to, but we do it because we're taught that if we keep our world separate, things aren't quite as awkward. But what happens when those worlds collide again? And they will collide again. They always do. Never fails. And that's, where we, that's where I run into Peter here. And I have a suspicion that Peter really struggled when his worlds collided. You know, as, as a fisherman, Peter was very familiar with the attributes of water, how to navigate them, how to travel across them. And as a follower of Christ, he was very familiar with the accomplishments of the impossible, the miraculous. And yet, when he found himself standing on the water with Jesus, his two worlds suddenly collided together. He panicked and sank like a rock. Had to call for help. When Peter's world of self-preservation and his world of devotion to Jesus collided together, once again, he panicked. Denied knowing God altogether. Knowing Jesus. I don't know him. He failed. He failed. Peter had a world problem, and he didn't know how, to they, how they were supposed to live together. But have you ever met anybody whose, whose growth and change has actually just astonished you? Have you ever seen that scrawny kid who one day you see him again, he's packed on a ton of weight and muscle, and he's now super fit, and you're just like, wow, what a change. Yeah. Or how about that, that kid that really struggled in school? And you, you see him again or on social media at some point, and you, now people are calling him doctor. You're like, what? That's amazing. He was having such a hard time. That's awesome. We love stories that end with great change, change for the better. I was going to reference a movie, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> P- Peter is a comeback story, though. He really is. An amazing Amazing comeback story. We read that sto- part of that comeback story in the book of Acts. It opens with the last days of Jesus before his ascension to heaven. That's how the book of Acts begins. And then we get into Acts 2. Well, sorry, I skipped this part there. Jesus has told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And that's what they're doing at this point when you hit the Acts 2. They're waiting. That's, that's where we're going to be at in our Bibles today, is Acts 2. Now, Acts 2 describes his disciples as being filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Flames came down, splitting off into what resembled tongues above each one of the disciples' heads. And funny, funny story about that. And, 
Sam could probably attest to it. When you write, when you write one of these sermons or messages, whatever you're writing on tends to be magnified in your own life big time. So the other day, I'm up, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, because when you're writing a message about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is really stirring, and it turns out the Holy Spirit does not sleep, and so neither was I. <laughs> didn't, didn't just, it wasn't speaking much, sleeping much. So, um, but I'm sitting on the couch and praying on this, and I'm like, God, why, why tongues of fire? Why? And I'm sitting on the couch, and I look up, and the fire is starting to die down in the fireplace, so I get up, and I grab a little air billows, pump air in there, open the door, put a new piece of wood in there, I'm, I'm pumping air in there, I'm pumping air in there, and Coals are starting to build, and pretty soon fire just pops up over here, pops up over here, pops up over here, pops over here. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I felt the Lord tell me, that air that's coming out, that's the same air you breathe when you, when you speak the gospel. And look how fast that fire moved. Look how easily it spread. Your simple words of air will spread the Holy Spirit. So I'll, it's a little sidetracked there, but yeah, that's two in the morning. Thank you, Lord. So fire comes down upon them, and they all begin to speak in various languages that they have never learned before. And they're out giving speeches in these other languages now. And these speeches weren't done in private. They weren't done just in a secret room somewhere between them. They were done in public. They were done in the public square where there was a lot of people the Bible says there were Jews in Jerusalem that day from every nation under heaven. Why? Because Pentecost, historically, it means Pentecost means the 50th. That's what it means. And it was um, a Jewish feast celebrated 50 days after Passover. And it marked the giving of the Torah and celebrating the summer wheat harvest. So there was, it was big, it was a huge festival. Pilgrims came from all around the world, gathered in Jerusalem, thousands and thousands of people there. So now when it says the Holy Spirit came from heaven, it came with a, like a thunderous wind, loud. So I don't know about you, but when I hear a loud noise outside my house, I wonder what the heck it is, I'm gonna go figure it out. <laughs> so that's what people were doing. They're wandering around trying to figure out what is going on. What was that? And they find themselves congregated in a town square, and they, confusingly, they find the disciples there speaking in their own language. And what were they speaking? They heard them declaring the magnificent, magnificent acts of God in their own tongues. And they're going, wow, how is it we can hear these people in our own languages right now? It was amazing. But not everyone was buying it. Not at all. In fact, some of them were, going, were looking at them going, nope. Those dudes, those dudes are drunk. That's plain and simple. They've been hitting the wine a little early. <laughs> or maybe, maybe they didn't stop from the night before, I don't know. <laughs> but... So what did Peter do when he heard that? When Peter heard that, so we're in Acts 2, 14 through 16. Peter addresses that crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, 
raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what, the sp- this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter then goes on to describe the ministry of salvation that Christ provided. An eloquent sermon regarding Old Testament prophecies. I spared you all from me reading the whole thing. You're welcome. <laughs> but, and empowered, empowered by that Holy Spirit, Peter describes the entire story of the gospel. And it hit hard. That story hit hard. In Acts 2, 37 through 41. Let's read that. Let me find it. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins. And you will receive, of your sins, sorry, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, from all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 souls were saved that day because of Peter and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't even there a full day yet. He already saved 3,000 people. That's power. 3,000 people. Peter's reversal from a disciple who failed to an apostle of Jesus who spoke to thousands of people? Well, that didn't come through some kind of special discipline. It didn't come through positive thinking. He didn't join some self-help group. He wasn't reading any kind of books to help move him along in his life. No. It came through the reality of forgiveness in Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost brought a new reality for humanity, especially for followers of Jesus. Two worlds that were once separated, God in heaven and us here on earth, have now combined. Those worlds collided that day with a thunderous sound. But this time, the collision of our worlds is a little different. It's not like when we were kids, or it's not like when we're navigating our own worlds today. We don't have to rely on our own knowledge anymore. We don't have to rely on our own abilities to handle this combining of worlds 
Because like Peter, we fail when we try it. It's not on us anymore. We now have the Holy Spirit within us. The same power that gave the apostles the ability to speak different languages that they never learned. The same power that gave Peter the courage and wisdom to speak to that crowd of thousands of people is the same spirit we have today. Heck, the same spirit that brought them powers to perform miracles is still here today. It hasn't changed. Miracles can still be performed. And that spirit is given to us so that God's work can be done through us. See, Peter isn't unique in being used and empowered by the spirit. God has called every believer to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. To proclaim the gospel and live a life that is worthy of God's kingdom. That reflects it. See, I say Peter's life up to, up to that point of Pentecost, Peter's life shows us what it looks like to be human and follow Jesus. Because as much as we like to read our Bibles and view the disciples as being people who are in special circumstances, as much as we want to believe that they were in a higher calling, it's simply not true. They were just regular people. Peter was a fisherman. No different than you and I. They had lives filled with highs and lows. They made mistakes. They did things they regretted. Now, I would dare say God chose Peter and the other disciples because of how flawed they were. Not because they were special. So that you and I can be encouraged. Be encouraged that we're not out of the running for doing great things. That normal people with their flaws and problems, even doubts, can not only have courage and wisdom to speak the gospel to those around us, but heck, even perform miracles. How is that? How is that us broken, flawed people could have that kind of power handed to us? I wake up in the morning and I don't feel worthy of that kind of power. I'll tell you that much. I'm flawed. I'm broken. We get to do that because of the day of Pentecost. Yes, Jesus told his disciples that they needed to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. But it was through the knowledge of God, gifted to Peter, through that Holy Spirit, that Peter lets us in on a, a real key detail there when he was speaking. It was that Acts 28 through 39. Let's read that again. 28 through 39. 38, sorry. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, 
and for all who are far off from all whom the Lord God will call. Great news, that's you. You are the one, you are, we are the ones who are far off. We are the children of children, and we are the ones God is calling. Because make no mistake, God is calling your name. Like Lazarus from the tomb, he is calling your name saying, come out. Come out from that grave. See, we need to stop waiting on God to come. Because he's already here. It already happened. It happened on the day of Pentecost. That world came crashing down into ours. And it's here to stay. Never to be uncombined again. God's kingdom is here and it's within you. So I say, let's go out to the world like Jesus commanded us to do. And as we go, we just need to trust in the Holy Spirit. Trust in that mighty power that God has given you. If you haven't chosen Jesus in your life yet, now's the day. Don't wait. Accept that. Get that Holy Spirit. Have that power. Have that comforting power that will keep you up at 2 a.m. in the morning staring at a fire. (laughs) It's worth it. Because if you trust in the Holy Spirit, you can be bold then in declaring the amazing works God has done. Done in your life. Done in the lives around you. You now have the power to be bold instead of fearful. You now have the power to be bold like Peter when he declared to thousands of people what Jesus had done for them. In one simple day, he saved 3,000 people. Imagine what you can do with your entire life once it's devoted to God, devoted to Jesus, and accepting of the Holy Holy Spirit. Don't deny God the chance to work through you. Like I said, the disciples were great people, but they were just that. They were people. Just like you and I. So use that power. Speak the truth. Be brave be courageous. Lay hands on people asking for healing. Pray for them. Tell them what Jesus has done for them. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it in these four walls. Although those worlds are combined now, we no longer have to be fearful or embarrassed of them because it's not on you. It's on the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for that gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness of our sins. 
Lord, I just ask that we truly allow the Holy Spirit to swell up in our hearts to where it's uncontainable. Lord, let us, let us be brave enough just to speak, though we may do it trembling. We know that it will be just fine because it is truly the Holy Spirit that is speaking. Lord, let us not, let us not keep Pentecost just that one day. Let us remember that the Holy Spirit came down and it is promised to us too. Lord, let us see miraculous miracles be performed. Let lives be changed through you, you through us. Lord, let us be a vessel to serve. Lord, I pray that everyone here feels comforted in knowing that the Holy Spirit, that you are in control and I have nothing to fear. For if you are by our side, if you are within us, who can we fear? Lord, bless us. Watch after us. Keep everyone here and online safe. But allow them to be courageous in their lives. We love you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.